0: Hello folks, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life, a radio ministry of the International Mission Church Partnership Evangelism and its Associate Fellowship, the Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. God is using our ministry to turn many to Christ around the world as we raise up disciple-making disciples and plant church-planting churches. To learn more about this ministry, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. From the archives, we offer this message on the life of Judas Iscariot to you. His sin wasn't his downfall. That came when he refused to be real to the Lord Jesus, and to the Lord Jesus, make himself and his doubts and struggles known. He began to live behind a mask in which he only cut himself off from the grace of Christ, the grace Christ brings to those who confess all to him. Well, now we look more and more at this life of Judas in light of his connection with Jesus, and I particularly want us to look at these two verses. First verse 64, let's read it again. Jesus says this, But there are some of you that believe not. And here's what John says. John has an observation, an important observation. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who it was that should betray him. And now this other verse that's curious. Verses 70 and 71. Have I not chosen you twelve? and one of you is a devil. This is all spoken at the same time. He spoke of Judas Iscariot, writes John again with interesting observation. The son of Simon, for it was he that should betray him. Now John writes, almost shaking his head, being one of the 12. It's almost like John says, can you believe it? He was one of us and he betrayed him. And this morning what I wanna do is I wanna make application to what we've learned so far and what we see in these two verses. And the first application is this, and it's an important application. What we see in this is this, that Jesus knew what was rising in Judas's heart from the day the seeds of unbelief were planted in him. Jesus knew. Jesus knew the unbelief. Jesus knew the movement that was taking place in Judas' heart from the moment in time in which that unbelief began. Now, there are some individuals who try to say that, well, what this really means is that Jesus metaphysically knew all things from the very beginning. I don't believe that's what John's referring to. Others might suggest that what this tells us is that Jesus knew that Judas was going to go in this direction and the end of Judas' life at the very moment in which Jesus first met Judas. Well, I don't believe that's necessarily the case either. There are others that say that what this means is that Jesus knew that Judas was going to portray him at the time that he appointed him as his apostle and again... I don't think that that's what's being shown to us. Uh, the fact is, is that Luke chapter two verses fifty-two tells us of Jesus as a boy that he grew in wisdom or knowledge and stature. That there was a development in Christ's life. That when Jesus came to earth and became a man, he set aside his divine prerogatives. He set aside those natural dispositions that belong to God. One of them being the disposition of omniscience, all-knowing, and For a moment, Christ lived in the veil of not knowing and what he did come to know and what he did come to understand was what the Father was pleased to show him. There is no indication that Jesus went through his life with a perfect and exact perception of every detail that was lying before him. These were things that God began to disclose to him and show him. Jesus lived the life of a prophet, that is. He knew things that were to take place, but as a prophet, he knew these things not because they were operating within himself. In other words, not because he was seizing hold of his divinity, but because as a man, God was pleased to show him and reveal to him things that were going to take place. Jesus was, as a man, dependent upon the Father to understand and know what he knew. And there's nothing indicating in the Bible that Jesus had this somehow perfect knowledge about everybody he came in contact with anew. But there does seem to be a clear indication that when unbelief began to take rise in a person's heart and when doubt began to be expressed that Jesus was sensitive to it and He could identify it with it. There are a number of statements over and over again in the Gospel accounts when men began to murmur among themselves or men began to question Him in their hearts or began to think something in their minds when the Bible says, Jesus knowing what they were saying, Jesus knowing what they are murmuring, Jesus knowing what was in their hearts and He spoke to them and He addressed these things. This was a sense of understanding that God the Father had given them. And Jesus had insight into the moment of unbelief in Judas's life. And when the seeds of unbelief began to conceive in Judas's heart, Jesus knew, Jesus knew what was there. And seeing it and identifying it, Jesus also was able to identify the place and the train and the pathway that unbelief would go to, even to the point of betraying him. He knew that among these 12 would be one, his own unbelief would lead him to devilish actions, His own unbelief would lead him to the expression of a devilish character. This man was a devil in disguise, and yet at the same time, I believe even at this moment, he had the potential, and this is why Jesus chose him, he had the potential to be an apostle. Now get this, let's go back to this point though. It really doesn't matter when he knew it, whether he metaphysically knew it, whether he knew it when he chose his disciple, whether he knew it at the moment when unbelief began, the point is this, Jesus knew what was in the heart of Judas. He knew where the life of Judas was going. And this is important. And this is the basic thing that we need to draw in this whole understanding. When we look at the interaction of Jesus' life with Judas, we need to study it and understand it within this context. Judas might not have known that he was the traitor of Christ. Jesus did. Judas might not have known that his unbelief was leading him to a point of utter, utmost destruction. Christ knew it. He knew it all. He saw it all. He understood what was in the heart of Judas. here's the application we make from this. And the first application is this. And this will be the primary thing that we need to draw from this. That it is utterly foolish to live a hypocritical, falsely spiritual life. Folks, it is utterly foolish to be a sham before God. You see, you may fool all of the people some of the time. And you may fool some of the people all of the time. But you can never fool God. Never. He knows what's in your heart. He knows what's in your mind. He knows exactly what you think. He knows what you're mulling over. He knows what your beliefs are. He knows what your doubts are. He knows everything about you. You see, when we go before men, they're in light of this truth, there's... There's no reason for us to be dishonest before men because God knows all, God sees all, and God knows who we are. And God knows when we're lying before men by pretending to be something that we're not or believing something that we don't. It also tells us this, that when we go before God in prayer, there is no reason not to be straight with Him, not to be honest with Him, no reason at all, because God already knows what is in our heart. Do you understand that? When I go before God and I meet before Him and I spend time with Him in communion, uh, listen, this is no point in which to practice my best and polished prayers. This is no point in which I somehow try to put my best foot forward because He sees the other foot behind it. He knows what I am. This is a time when I should come before God and be completely and entirely honest with Him. You know, maybe Judas at first, began to find this unbelief building up within him and and maybe he was going to say something, but then, then Peter spoke and, and all the other guys were shaking their head yes and, and Judas was thinking, well, I'm not sure here. I, I'm not sure if I believe this, but now Judas has to decide, well, you know what? I, I'm not going to let anybody else see this. And so he decides that he'll hide it from the disciples. Maybe, in fact, he was hiding it from himself. He was telling himself, really, uh, I believe these things, and I'm committed to him, and I'm willing to follow him. And, And Judas was not being honest with himself about himself. And then, eventually, Judas was not being honest about himself with the disciples, and he was trying to hide who he really was before the disciples. Well, and he was successful. He was able to hide what he really felt and thought before the disciples. They didn't know but the fact is, he could not hide it from Christ. Christ knew where he was. Christ knew what he thought. Christ knew what was in his heart. And what Judas needed to do, and what would have maybe changed the whole pattern of things, was Judas needed to be honest with him. Judas needed to recognize that Christ knew everything already. And he needed to be honest with him. You know, you're kind of left to wonder what would have happened to Judas. If Judas had been honest with Jesus, if he had shared with Jesus his doubts, if he had revealed to Jesus what he was working so hard to conceal. You have to wonder that, you see, because God knows everything and the force of God's omniscience upon our own lives, when we understand that He already knows it, it is a force for us to open up before Him and be honest with Him. As we're honest with Him, we become honest with ourselves and and God is able to deal with the real issues in our lives. Think of Adam and Eve when they sin in the garden. Adam and Eve, after they sinned, tried to hide themselves behind fig leaves, and they tried to hide behind the bushes from God. And in a sense, that's a, a real state of the way we are when we're not open and honest with God. And God is omniscient, and God comes in the garden, and God says, Adam, where are you? Now, folks, did God know where Adam was? God knew where Adam was. God is omniscient. He knows all things. Here's the problem. Did Adam really know where he was? Adam didn't really know. He thought fig leaves were sufficient. He thought a little hiding in the bushes was enough. Adam had to speak honestly with God. Adam had to confess his situation. Adam had to recognize God knows everything. He's gonna find me here. I just need to be honest with him. And as Adam began to open up his heart before God, If you go on and read about that count, God began to open up the promises of the gospel for even in the curse, God issued forth the promises of the good news of the seed of the woman who would come and crush the serpent's head. And God could exchange those fig leaf clothing that hiding behind a lie for the skins of animals that were slain because of their sin. And he could cover them, you see, with a new kind of redemption. The only kind of redemption they needed because of their sins. How important it is that we recognize that God knows everything. How important it is that we become honest with God. It's when we're honest with God that God can work. What does 1 John 1, verse 9 say about our sins? It says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What does the word confession mean there? Do you know all it means is to be honest with God? It means just to tell God what we have done. That's it. To set the record down before Him. That's what it means. That's what God's looking for. God knows already our sin. God knows what's in our heart. God knows what we've done. But God wants us to be honest before Him. God wants us to open our lives before Him. What would have happened with Judas if Judas would have only been honest with Jesus, if he'd only shared with him his doubts and revealed to him what he was working so hard to conceal? You know, it takes an act of faith To be honest with God. Did you know that? It takes an act of faith to be real before God because faith believes that God is powerful enough to change the forces of our own fears and our own doubts and our own trials and our own difficulties. You understand this? We have fears and we have doubts and we have trials and we have weaknesses and we go before God and we try to conceal them and hide them but the reason we do it is because we do not believe that God is greater than our fears and our trials and our doubts and our difficulties. It takes an act of faith in believing that God is greater than all these things, that God knows these things. And because God knows these things, God knows what to do with them. But Judas was not one who had faith. This is the one thing we can identify in his life. He was faithless. And so Judas remained a fake, a facade, a sham, an unreal follower of Christ. And in the melodrama, maybe Judas believed he was really being faithful. Maybe Judas believed his own lies. How appropriate this message is for today. It was delivered before the advent of social media and the ability, the seeming necessity for many, to cultivate an image for the purpose of gaining likes, followers, digital affirmations. But how harsh the consequences are when we learn to curate a performance that gains for us approval. We may ask God to bring us an honest life before Him and a transparent life before others. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise. Go to traincpe.org to gain an appreciation for the ministry we are sending out to many nations around the globe. Again, go to traincpe.org to learn more and please consider supporting the work. If you'd like more information, you can also find a way there to contact us, and we'd be delighted to share with you more personally what God is doing through our ministry with you and even your local church. Well, thanks for joining us. I look forward to our next time gathering around the Bread of Life. Until then, may God bless you.